people tell you to play it safe, like what do you what do you like? What is your response? Like what do you tell yourself and them? I hate people that play it safe. Yeah. Mm. At the, at the, I'm a firm believer um, that your life is planned out before you ever even got here. Mm. So no matter what you do, you have a path that you're destined to, destined to follow. So playing it safe, you're, you're deviating from that path, whether it's success, whether it's failure, you're deviating from a path that's already been laid out for you. Um, mm. uh, so whenever I see somebody playing it safe, I kind of lose respect for that person. Mm. You know, you do... Bill Gates didn't get to where he was playing it safe. Martin Luther King, where he got playing it safe. Yeah. Um, you know, all the great, you know, philosophers, football players, artists, they all had to take chances throughout their whole life to make to where they are. And I'm not, I'll be damned if I um, spend my life in mediocrity. Yeah. Wow. Hi, I'm Nisa. <laughs> and I'm Tabari. The husband and wife duo behind Ginger and Carrot Productions. A creative agency telling captivating stories about food and culture. Food is life. It's history, culture, it's nourishment. But most importantly, it's delicious. In this podcast, we're cutting up with our friends in the industry who feel the same way. So join us for the most epic conversation about food you're going to hear today. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, really quick. I just want to let y'all know that Ginger and Care Productions is accepting photography and videography clients. So if you have an epic food story that you want to tell for your brand, your restaurants, your platform, then go to gingerandcarrot.com, fill out that intake form, and let's get started. Let's start the conversation. So I cannot wait to hear from you. All right, back to the episode. I am recording because I took the advice of our guest yesterday who was like, you're missing out on all this like really good conversation. I was like, I am. You <laughs> don't put that in this. That's not even part of the show yet. I don't like it's you go do what I'll say. It's a part of the show now. It's a part of the show. You gotta tell people you're recording. That's unethical. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about what a villain I am. So no. you see, you never know when it's going to pop up. Fair, I don't think if you're doing crime that you're necessarily a villain. I'll say that. That is so true. So yesterday I did my, I did a certification that was going over drugs and alcohol. And they were like, alcohol brings crime. Crime attracts criminals and criminals make neighborhoods unsafe and i was wow. like oh my god and then in the end they were like leave us a review and i left like you have a complete lack of social competence <laughs> about what crime is that was like my the, review i feel like the thing that leads to unsafe neighborhoods the most are drivers from alabama and north carolina to be Come honest on. A hundred percent. Let's let's throw Georgia in that mix. Let's throw them in. That you know what? I'm gonna just throw the whole Southeast to be honest with you. Because you know what? They throw them all in the pot. <laughs> Listen, I took that test. They were like, "Oh, get in the car and um, you know, just you know, drive around in a circle." And I'm like, "That's the exam." Like I went on the highway. I learned how to park. You don't want to see my turns. 
You don't care if <laughs> like test? What? You like, want a road test or something? You don't want to see literally, me stop at a red light? You don't want to see me <laughs> I literally drove like I lived in this complex and the driver the D, the DDS was like right next door. And so you could drive in a circle around the like complex. Mm. So there was one light. The rest of it was just like good luck. And then I came back in a circle and I parked twice. And that was the driver's test that would allow me to be in a car, that would allow me to go on a road trip, get on the highway. At least you got that on would the allow road. Me to... There's no standard across like the counties really? in Georgia, the cities. There's no standard. Like, what? Some people Doesn't would not explain some people so even, much. Some people didn't even have to park or get on the road because it's something yeah. to be in the parking lot, nothing to be on the road. But some places in, Atlanta, in, in, in Georgia don't even have to get it, it's just paper tests. That's insane. Like, I, I feel bad because I failed my first driver's test. Um, and I, like, argued with the lady because yeah. she's like, well, when you were parallel parking, you didn't look behind you. I was like, well, how am I supposed to look behind me when you guys want all my both my hands on the steering wheel? I can't look behind me. You can't put your arm like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like, I was a good driver because I'd had, like, two years of driving practice by the time mm-hmm. I took the test. So I took the test when I was Same. 18. Because I was like, I have to get my driver's license. Like, my mom did not want me to drive at all. She just didn't want me to have my freedom. That's another story. So I was like, I'm going to college. I have to have a driver's license. If nothing else, at least for an ID or an emergency or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she finally let me take the test. And, like, literally the lady was like, when you made the turn, you didn't look all the way over enough. You only looked a little (laughs) bit. I was like, ma'am, we didn't even go on the highway. (laughs) Yeah. Like yeah. what like and she gave me a C despite the fact that I had so much practice driving, despite the fact that there were so many other skills like changing lanes that would have been like worthy mm. of like testing. And she just she was just picky about like little rules instead of actually like evaluating my driving. And I think about that every time I'm in Atlanta and I see like a ridiculous like you you know, like anytime you know. I'm on I twenty, anytime I'm on I twenty, and I'm like, this is it. I've lived a good life. <laughs> I'm grateful for every the impact I've created so far. And then you're like, oh, I'm still alive. Okay, yeah. I think about that test every time because I'm like, how many people didn't deserve to pass? How yeah. many? Yeah, my wife is one. Damn. <laughs> this is Everybody why we shouldn't be recording. This is why we because you, you can't put that on record. Now I got blackmail over you. Now I gotta like trust me, trust me, she knows. She, knows. <laughs> she like scared to drive. She like you drive. I'm scared to drive. No, she like she likes to drive, especially like when I'm in the car. She's like, oh, I'll drive. And I'm like, I don't want to feel fear for my life today. I'm sorry. Like that's hilarious. Tabari <laughs> literally one of the few marital confrontations I've had with Tabari was like how much he hated driving. And he was like, you don't ever offer to drive. I need you to at least offer because this is a 50, 50 partnership. It was like a real (laughs) conversation. Like some people are arguing over bills. Some people are arguing over jealousy. Tabari was like, we need to have a conversation about how little you drive. And I was just like, I literally didn't even think about it. And he was like creating this whole story. And we like literally had to talk about it. He's like, and then he would go in the passenger seat. It was a big deal. He'd be like, <laughs> wow. 
yeah, us all being exposed. This is no longer the picture of the Disney podcast. This is the picture you're driving podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we could talk. We could talk like for hours about about driving and and people not being able to drive because um uh there's some some good content there. Maybe that's in my next podcast. I I make a <laughs> podcast about people's uh, lack of driving skills, especially in Georgia. I'm sure I would definitely I think bring it up. It would be an instant hit. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was, I was on Instagram yesterday, and um, this guy was just posting like bad driving videos, and I was on it for like an hour and a half just. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yep, yep. And also, you could do like a city comparison analysis. Like I follow this girl on TikTok who's traveled all over Europe and recently moved to New York, and she literally compares like city design of like Barcelona and Italy and like. New York, and she'll be like, "This is how the city functions in Milan, and this is how the city functions in Barcelona, and this, and this is how this is why everybody in New York is so miserable and upset because, like, look at all this anxiety here, and like, this could be solved with proper city planning." And I'm not gonna lie, I was like two hours in on that. I was <laughs> like, "This is why she's making a point." Like, and it was just all over things like, "There's no place to walk, there's no place to sit, no mm-hmm. one's socializing," like everyone's driving like when you go to barcelona most people are walking and only a few people are driving so it's like people are nicer because you're not in these stressful scenarios around strangers and i was like oh my god like she just broke it down yeah she broke it down I was like <laughs> wow i can't believe how not boring this is <laughs> i think a podcast about online drivers will be as controversial as the amaretta song you know, <laughs> this is not Atlanta. This, I think it'll be as controversial. Career. I was like, is it that serious? And then I listened yes. to the song and I was like, it literally is. It literally oh my is God. I never knew there could be something more controversial than like a sexually liberated woman. And then I found out. <laughs> it's where are you from in Georgia? Yeah. Or right. in the metropolitan area. Because I was like, y'all, this is what you've been wanting. She is covered up. She's in a jersey. She's yeah. wearing pants. There's no Rapping. boys. You know what I mean? She's not even really cussing like it's that. Not, it's it's just like, the content. It's just the content. It's just like I feel the song. I like the song though. I'm like, I like the song. Yeah, I'm not gonna here. lie. When I moved here, we lived in Clayton County. People were like, oh, I'm from Atlanta. I'm like, no, you're from Clayton County. You're from Clayton like County. being somebody that's from a whole nother state and has no idea, like. <laughs> The, the the friction there is between Atlanta and the surrounding areas. I'm like, bro, you're from Clay. You're not from Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Atlanta has friction with anybody not from Atlanta. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not it's just the surrounding yeah. areas. They just, they're like, if you're not from Atlanta, fuck you. And this <laughs> is how I realized that it was that serious because we moved to LA and mm. people are just like, Oh, you just moved to LA? Welcome to LA. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Sorry that it's been like cloudy. That sucks. Wow. Oh, like they're just like, come on in. In Atlanta, they're like, why are you here? Yeah. Oh, you've been here 10 years. You're not from here. Like uh-huh. they're just so like so protective. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it's a new city and they're like, Oh, you had to be, you had to come through the struggle with us of us. Yeah. In the city. You wasn't here when the Olympics was here. Like, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I'll give people is this the only thing I'll, I'll give them is that they say, if you're not from Atlanta, if you didn't go to Atlanta public school, that's the only thing I'll give you. Other than that, I'm like, I was born in Atlanta, raised in Atlanta, went to the catering, came back to Atlanta. I'm like, but if I, I didn't go to APS. So I was like, okay, I'll give you that. But other than that. <laughs> to be honest, I think Decatur is Atlanta. Mm. 
Decatur is Atlanta because my thing is, is it's not just where you live. (laughs) It's like, where are you hanging out? When you're in Decatur, you're not hanging out in Decatur. You just go sleep in Decatur. You're coming downtown, midtown, EAV. That's where you're hanging out. You're still going to Edgewood to party. You're still Mm -hmm. going to Midtown to party. You're still going to South Atlanta. You're not like hanging out. What is there to do in Decatur outside of the square? Yes. I mean, I hate Decatur, so yeah. don't get me. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need the Decatur uh, gangster showed up in my house. That's so sure. Like, Listen, <laughs> they got lawyers and they got litigations. They get... <laughs> okay. Now that we're all warmed up and hot about Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Welcome everybody to the Pitch Your Authenticity podcast. I'm your host Tabari, and Nisa's here as well. Say hey, Nisa. Nisa's here, the co-host. <laughs> the co-host. <laughs> She's here. She she made time on her schedule today to be here. Thank yeah, so I, much I squeezed here. it in. <laughs> and here we're, our special guest today, Demetrius Brown, um, creator of uh, Heritage Supper Club in Atlanta. It's a pop up that celebrates um, cuisines for all Black and Brown people. And um, Demetrius, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's 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 uh this is my first podcast being on, so it's, it's a pleasure. <laughs> I love being people's first podcast because <laughs> I love making people feel like they've made it because I yeah. realize that's the feeling. They're like, oh, I'm getting podcast requests out. Um, I'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how's your day going so far? How are you doing? Um it's going good. Um I just been uh slumming around cleaning the house. I did some some gardening today. Um just just trying to take it easy. Last week was a busy week, so uh, trying mm. to relax a little bit as much as yeah. I can. What is about that domestic joy of cleaning the house? Like, I, I didn't have that a Did you say up. joy? Did you say that? Yeah, the joy <laughs> of not... I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm a clean freak, but I enjoy things being in their place. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> that was a beautiful way to put that. <laughs> no, I would say really I mean, I mean, clean up every day and have to like okay wipe the counter every time we eat and like that but I do like when, when, like, when I start and Nisa contested this as well when you start kind of move stuff now you have to like clean the whole kitchen it's, it's like, hard to stop <laughs> exactly I can't like, I'll start off like me in the counter and I'm like fuck now all this stuff is on the floor now I gotta sweep yes. the floor <laughs> I think a lot of that is just how I was raised though because when I was little I was so good at compartmentalizing mm-hmm. and my mom would be like I need you to do the dishes and I'd be like okay I do the dishes and she's like why didn't you wipe the counters and I'm like you didn't say to wipe the counters she's like <laughs> If you're doing the dishes, you have to wipe the counters. Okay, I wipe the counters. Why did you sweep the floors? So it just escalated from there. And then next <laughs> thing you know, like you're the only one cleaning in your college dorm. That's how that <laughs> progresses. Yeah, it, it, we wouldn't call it dishes. We call it kitchen. We just clean the kitchen. That's <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Because when you clean the dishes, you're going to mess up the rest of the kitchen in the process. It's, it's like, like you know, up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, the very first like rich expense we're doing we're getting a cleaner every I am day ready. i'm ready i'm not even rich i'm ready to get it like the next yesterday days. Like, <laughs> honestly <laughs> me and my wife hired one and and um i didn't like it at all you didn't like it well they moved they moved my stuff and i'm like i can't find my stuff <laughs> okay so you got oh, that's a training you got a, that's a training thing that's that's, that's how you come in and you're like okay I like these things this way. It's a coaching moment. That's what that is. That's yeah. a teachable moment. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, just don't touch my shit. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, she didn't clean this very well, but everything else is fine. I'm like, I'm like starting to because I paid for it. I'm like, now I'm gonna nitpick because I'm paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. This corner, talk about some. This corner is still dirty. <laughs> dust in this corner. Get my yeah, what is that. this? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want that energy. I'm just gonna be like, okay, good job, cool. I, I, what I wouldn't do is then go back and clean up after them. I would refuse. I'm not doing that. I hate the people. I'm calling that them to come back. And they clean up before the cleaner comes, so they don't know how dirty they are. I'm like, you hide them <laughs> for we're, a reason. We're hustling backwards. Yeah, we're now hustling we're backwards. <laughs> not so clean to that point. <laughs> <laughs> so um demetrius let's start off with a um one of my favorite questions what dish means the most to you that's a that's a tough question um <laughs> it really is because all of my dishes kind of not kind of but are rooted in a memory from my past mm-hmm. um but i think the dish that um is i'm not even gonna say it's my favorite i think the dish that made the most impact at one of my dinners was, um, I called it strange fruit. It was for our African, for our black history month. Um, I remember being a kid and my mom would always have plantains around the house. Yeah. Um, my little cousin came one day and thought it was a, was thought it was a banana. As he did. As he did. I mean, (laughs) so he's trying to eat a plantain and my mom snatches out her hand, out his hand. And he's like, I thought it was a banana. I'm like, and I think thinking in my head, I'm like, wow, but plantains are really a strange fruit because you have to cook it. You can't just eat it raw. So mm-hmm. transferring to adulthood, um, I was making a playlist for our dinner and, and uh, Nina Simone's uh, strange fruit um, started playing. And um, I wanted to make a dish surrounding that. Mm-hmm. So then it brought me back to plantains. And then um, uh, I started to research a lot of, dishes around Western Africa and the Caribbean and Kelawele came up. Mm-hmm. So we did a Kelawele spice on top of a fried plantain with um, a peanut foam. And peanuts are really important because peanuts um, come from the ground and it's kind of uh, symbolic with uh, kind of uprooting something from its home. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we put that right on top and then we smoked it and then we hung it from a, from a, from a globe, so it was kind of to, you know, pay homage to all the slaves that lost their lives due to lynching, mm-hmm. and the smoke represented their uh, bodies being burned after. Um, so that's yeah. honestly my favorite dish, just because it goes with so many things that um, happened in our past that are happening yeah. now, and kind of what I believe food should be. It should always provoke some kind of a conversation um, and and a thought. How uncomfortable are white people at your dinners? That's the word I was going to use was provocative. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) So that's actually funny. Um, That dinner, I expected it to be like all black people. And it wasn't literally all white people. (laughs) Um, And the only black person sitting down was my high school uh, best friend. Mm -hmm. And um, as I'm explaining the dish, I'm looking around and like white people are like eyes wide open, like jaws dropped. Um. And then at the end of the dinner, my friend comes up to me. He's like, why did you, like, how do you have enough courage to go up there and, and you know, explain the dish and where it came from? I'm like, well, it's, it's our history. Like, if they don't like it, they could have got up and left. You know what I mean? Like, That's um, so funny. <laughs> I but, cannot believe that. Yeah, it was, I think that was, it was even nerving, nerve-wracking for me to even talk about it. But I, mm-hmm. I kind of built up the courage that you know our story has to be told you know we're at a yeah. point 
now where um, they're taking these books out of schools and they're not allowing teachers to talk about slavery. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually, I was in Kroger yesterday. And I saw a magazine with Anne Frank on. I'm like, why don't we ever see magazines with Emmett Till? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it just, it just goes in. Like I can go to a whole rabbit hole about, you know, systemic mm-hmm. racism and, and uh, whitewashing and all that kind of BS. That's yeah. not um, our history, but um, I think my, that, that, Going back to that dish, that dish is really thought provoking and it just kind of builds a larger talking point. Um, mm. I really love the peanut element because for me, like my dad loves peanuts. And the only time I had exposure to peanuts was just watching him snack on the peanuts mm. and he used to work construction. So he would constantly snack on these peanuts. And that was like my only kind of, I was like, yeah, those are peanuts They're for snacks. And then when I got older and started going to restaurants and started to like, see how you could incorporate nuts in other ways, it was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, like mm-hmm. they're so much more versatile than the little, that little vertical pack that you see, like yeah. In store. And it's like when you when your mind starts to open up and you start to eat food other than what your parents make for you and out of convenience and out of time constraints and things like that. And now I'm thinking because I love plantains. Now I'm thinking like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like that would be so fire together. Like having that <laughs> nutty flavor with this sweetness. Wow. We have plantains moved out here. Damn, we got to find the fucking international. Like, you we have been Googling. Cause we this. I got five plantains right over, right next to me right now. I, I can't wait wow. to eat. <laughs> I'm throwing in my face, right? Okay, cool. That's cool. We was we was vibing here. We was we was relating, but now I see that you're the actual villain. No. <laughs> I think it's so interesting too how black people are like. Black History Month is free. All have fun learning have the fun. history. Like, <laughs> I'll be at home. I think it's so funny how that happens, and then white MLK people are like, "I'm going to go educate myself and eat plantains," and then it's like, "This dish represents lynching. Yeah. Please enjoy." And they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, it, it, it's funny because um, one of my chefs, one of my old chefs, came to that dinner. He was like, "You should really like." put out a pamphlet to warn people. I'm like, for what? <laughs> like, yeah. Because they're going to find a, now there's going to be a reason for them not to go because now they have to think. Yeah. So. yeah, I think if you talk about, I think if you're talking about uh, black and brown folks in history and celebrating that culture, that is also is. a part of it. So I'm like, if they, they're not going to just talk about like how we were like dancing and shit. Like it's, yeah. that's all part of it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're uncomfortable with like your people's treatment of us. So I'm like, right. what do you fucking think we feel? Like, what do you think? So, like, what it is, my favorite new saying, which is like low key shade, it feels it, it's going along the lines of bless your heart, but it's mm. your beliefs are showing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing because when somebody says you should really, it's like all they're doing is showing that they feel embarrassment or shame or discomfort and they wanted you to do something about it but Mm -hmm. it's really for them to self-manage and self-regulate it's like i don't have the shame that's why i cook this great food and i show up i tell you what it's about it is what it is the the seats are full if you feel uncomfortable like that's something for you to examine but your beliefs are showing so thanks for Mm -hmm. letting me know that (laughs) this information brings discomfort to you yeah yeah Yeah. and I, i i've always been really unapologetic about um ruffling feathers, hurting people's feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if it's the truth, it needs to be told no matter what. 
Mm. How's it work out in your your marriage? Let me stop. You know what? We Sorry, have, why uh... were you whispering? How does that work out in your marriage? I always, I always tell my wife, I will never lie to you. I always tell her that, um, mm. I, I, and I always tell her like the only people I lie to are the people I don't care about. That's right. Um, That's who you and whenever she wants a real answer, I always, I always tell her, you want me to tell you the truth or not? Yeah, you want me to answer? I can't, I can't hold on. Let's I get ready. mad. <laughs> Have you always been such a truth teller? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Even, like, when I was a kid, my mom says I was always, um, I don't want to say an asshole, but kind of pretty much. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was always really soft-spoken and and, um, and reserved, but if I did have something to say and if something needed to be said, I would always tell the truth and, and try to be as honest as possible. Yeah. How does that work <laughs> out in school? What was that like with teachers? Oh my God. So <laughs> I have a really fun, a really funny story. Um, <laughs> when I was in, uh, I think it was 12th grade, 12th or 11th grade. Um, this was before the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, thing happened. Um, you know, they make you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and all that. Yeah. And one day I was just like, I'm not standing for this. <laughs> so Damn, I literally. Team, and she's like, well, you need to stand up to show respect for the flag. And I'm like, well, bring a soldier in here and I'll show respect to him. I'm not going to show respect wow. in anime. Wow. <laughs> and she like kicked me out and then the next day she talked to me about it I'm like I mean I still I stand by what I said you know what I mean and she kind of she actually respected that I um spoke my mind and said what I needed to say because she she was black she knew that it was true yeah um, and even like going through school and like trying to make friends and all that like I was always seen as an asshole because I would always tell the truth if I didn't like somebody I didn't like them if I thought you were this or that, I would always tell you. Um, I always tell, you know, a lot of my cooks um, when I'm hiring them, I'd rather you hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not. Uh, mm. So that's something I always try to live by. Wow. That's something kind of hanging around in my head. And we ask this question sometimes on here. It's, you might have already, kind of already answered already. So when people tell you to play it safe, like, what do you, what do you like? What is your response? Like, what do you tell yourself? And then I hate people that play it safe. Yeah, at the, mm. at the, I'm a firm believer um, that your life is planned out before you ever even got here. Mm. So no matter what mm. you do, you have a path that you're destined to destined to follow. So playing it safe, you're you're deviating from that path, whether it's success, whether it's failure. You're deviating from a path that's already been laid out for you. Um, mm. uh, so whenever I see somebody playing it safe, I kind of lose respect for that person. Mm. You know, you do. Bill Gates didn't get to where he was playing it safe. Martin Luther King, where he got playing it safe. Yeah. Um, you know, all the great, you know, philosophers, football players, artists, they all had to take chances throughout their whole life to make to where they are. And I'm not, I'll be damned if I um, spend my life in mediocrity. Yeah. Wow. That was a gem, Tabari. <laughs> that wasn't that a good was question. A gem. Really was. He said, I'll be damned if I spend my life in mediocrity. This yeah. is what stood out to me about the story you're telling about the flag. Because, like, the reason why that would be so shocking to kids is kids are really being taught to be people pleasers. Because yeah. that's how we get them to behave and that's how we get to control them, is we think they'll just, let's just get them to do whatever we say and we'll keep them safe. The, the downside to that, I think. 80% downside is that 
they're not learning to think for themselves. And mm-hmm. so when you have a child who thinks for themselves, then that's seen as a deviation of like good behavior. And I think back to my childhood and I was, you know, quote unquote, a good kid. I never had, that was my currency, you know, in a way before I knew about racism in a real way outside of like the sixties and Emmett Hill, it's like, you're like, Oh, well that was, you know, a kid, you tell them 50 years ago, that sounds like a thousand years ago. And I did not realize how manifest, how racism was manifesting, but I did observe it and I felt it in my body. So I noticed, Oh, all the black kids are in the lower classes. They're in, in school suspension. They get suspended a lot. I'm noticing that. And so I use my like good behavior as like a way to navigate white spaces But the cost of that was so huge from a social aspect. And I spent like a lot of years undoing that like perfectionism and undoing that people pleasing kind of stuff. And so now it's like, okay, you know, now we have to kind of unlearn a lot of that stuff in order to be on my path. So it's always interesting to me. I'm always so intrigued by people who knew at an early age that they could like kind of talk back, speak up, whatever, resist, whatever it is, even in a moment, like, Oh, you're talking in class, even something that small and know that they weren't going to die. Cause as a kid, like you couldn't convince me that the world wasn't going to end. If somebody wasn't, if somebody was mad at me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up the way I grew up, um, my mom never told me that something was a bad idea. She never told, she never encouraged me not to do something. She always gave me the freedom of choice. Like granted, my mom was, she was definitely like really, really strict when we were younger, but as we started to grow up and kind of mature, that's when she got a lot more uh, lax. And I think that's when I mainly, I actually have a twin brother and he's, we're like complete opposites. Um, Wow. I think that's where I kind of grew into myself and kind of started to become, I don't want to say a rebel, but kind of a contrarian more than ever. Mm -hmm. What would you say was your like, what is your ultimate goal um, for like your pop-up? Is it go to brick and mortar? Is it keep this? Is it to transform something else? What is your big vision for this? Um, My... Of course, it's to 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 have a brick and mortar. Um, we're actually in the process right now of um, hopefully by the end of this week, next week, um, we'll have a uh, actual restaurant space. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it won't be heritage. We're going to save that for later. Um, but for heritage, I wanted to to inspire um, the next generation of you know cooks and creatives. Um, when I started cooking, I never wanted to be rich. I never really cared about being famous. Um, I just wanted to make really, really good food. Um, but as I kind of grew up and matured a little bit, became I wanted to inspire others and, and uh, influence, you know, the culinary landscape. Mm-hmm. What was that first introduction to cooking for you? Um. So for me, actually cooking, um, my mom, uh, she would always have, like growing up, she always had at least two jobs. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, when she got home, even when she got home, she wouldn't, you know, be up to cooking. So it was kind of on us to, you know, mm-hmm. cook our own meals. 
this was when we was like five, six years old. We're cooking dinner for ourselves. Yeah. Um, wow. The, like, yeah, like, <laughs> that was not normal. <laughs> no, <laughs> my it, parents it, it, rolled the dice on me. <laughs> hey, they were like, she good. She ain't breaking the rules. She good. <laughs> like days going by, and I'm I didn't see my mom. Like, <laughs> wow. um, so we would, you know, I would, you know, I can only eat ramen noodles so many nights. And I started just to like kind of experiment with, hey, if I put this in my noodles, then what would that taste like? Um, and then, you know, just going through life. And at a point, my mom had three jobs. So we really didn't. Yeah. Um, so I would actually cook for the entire family. Like while I was in, you know, like high school, middle school, I would always try to pick out like one or two days out of the week to cook for our entire family. Um, and, you know, I really my aunts cook, my uncles my mom was a good cook. My great grandmother was a fantastic cook. Um, mm. I was a I was a chubby kid, so I, I like to eat. So <laughs> food has been part of my life <laughs> for a long time. It's like I always hear chefs who grow up to become chefs. It's it's like so rarely is it. I just went in the kitchen one day and tried stuff out, and I just loved it. It's always, it was always out of a need. It's always like my mom didn't cook or my parents like would burn eggs all the time or we had to cook it's, it's like and it's not particularly like black chefs or anybody like black and brown it's all it's like chefs that i've talked to their story is always I, somebody taught me and i had to do it and i just like kept that going i stepped away but i, I came back mm. i think it's yeah. interesting the parallels too with my my creative story too about like photography because my parents didn't teach me how to do photography but my uncle was a artist, like he he's a really good uh, drawer and like uh, illustrator. And he, I remember we like about a lot of films. We did like film stuff. Like I was always at the camera and was like doing like um, what's it called? A lot of siblings. So I was trying to like, and I was o- oldest, but the middle child. My like my older siblings have like a different dad, yeah. and so I was I always had this like desire to. I love my alone time. Like I love being with people. I love going to the living room, but I love my own space. I didn't have my own space until I was like 17 and, and senior year, that last year of high school. And I remember always we did, um, either I had like my toys, making little videos, making little like stories and stuff, or we made like a martial arts film when we were the kid. We had stunts and everything. It was great. I don't know where that shit was. I really <laughs> wish I could do it. It was, it was really great. We choreographed it. I've never seen me and my brothers work together so well. And then I kind of got away from it. As you get older and you get to like high school and adulthood and you're thrust into this adult role when you're like, we're, we're not adults yet. We don't have a rite of passage in this, like this country and our culture doesn't really have like a smooth transition, like a defining point from when you go on from like mm. adolescence to adulthood. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's transitory. You graduated high school. Now you're adult. You hit 21. You hit 18. It's like, that doesn't mean anything. 18, is, that's, <laughs> that's, that doesn't mean, it's arbitrary. And yeah. so, I, you kind of get thrust into this role, and it's this is like we have the idea of taking down or putting down the childish things, and that would be anything creative is what I'll mm-hmm. like, you know. And you gotta, gotta get a real job, and you gotta go do this, and you gotta do that. And it's all this expectations that my parents and people around me put upon each other and ourselves and me. And there's no real questioning because it's like I can question it, but then like, what do I do? Like, what am I my alternative? And to come back to that ultimately and my perspective shifts, shifted on this around like 25 um i think it was that there was a year my, my parents got me like a dslr for my birthday 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, after all this time, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. You know what I mean? I really appreciate it. And it, it was like a point and shoot. I couldn't do half the stuff my camera does now. And I couldn't take off the lens, all this other stuff. And I figured out how to use that camera. Like, I, I pushed the camera to its limits. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's why I can shoot in the dark now, because I got so good at being shooting in the dark with the wrong settings and it being, like, grainy and avoiding that stuff. Mm. And that dictated my style. And it's interesting how, like, it ultimately came back to that stuff that's in our, in our youth a lot of times. So that's when we kind of... When I interest ourselves, like that's when we're most passionate about some things, whether it's like anime or drawing or photography or cooking. But to ultimately come back to that, I think it's really interesting that how that like creative journey kind of like is never too far away from us. And mm-hmm. to go back to what you're saying about like destiny and the path being laid out, it's like this is always trying to be in my life. And I just yeah. have to let it like be a part of my life. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it works out that way because when you're a kid like you, you don't have to worry about making enough money, being able to support a family. So then you can really express what your creative side is. And, you yeah. know, as you get older, that's when you start to worry about um, mainly finances and that mm-hmm. kind of pushes people away from creative roles. Because if you look at it like throughout history, artists were always super, super poor. Mm-hmm. Chefs were always super, super poor. They were always looked down upon. Um, and I think, well, some artists, I'll say some artists, cause you know, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Stamp of white others were thriving <laughs> and cutting their ears off. I don't know. Yeah, you have your Michelangelo and whatnot. <laughs> here, but, uh, even, I mean, even those people were like, still like, <laughs> Orchard. A bit too. like yeah. um, and you know, throughout history, that's how it's been. So now we're getting to a point where, um, the arts are starting to be celebrated um a lot more and people are starting to uh be a lot more open into um i guess different art forms that you know weren't uh that weren't celebrated you know in years past um and i think you know going back to like being a kid like you were open to pretty much any and everything <laughs> until you found out you didn't like it um so yeah i i i 100 agree with um with what you said so what was that moment where you knew I want to do this for a living mm-hmm. and I'm going to go for this a hundred percent. Did you have another career before this? And you were like, that's it. I'm getting my knives, you know, or was it like, it was I've always known. Um, For me. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of a mixed bag. So I, when I was younger, um, a lot of my family were mechanics. So I always, so I always thought I was destined to be a mechanic. Um, and then my great, my grandfather, um, saw that I liked to cook a lot. Um, and he drove me past Johnson and Wells and told me I should apply because he saw I like to cook. Um, that was like in 10th grade, I think. I had no clue what I was going to do up until 10th grade. My, my um, <laughs> um, uh, so I went back to school, well, went back to Georgia um, and applied for Johnson & Wales. And um, I didn't apply to any other schools. Like I had, I was like, I'm going to go to culinary school. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so on my graduation day, my mom's like, hey, have you even heard from 
Johnson and Wales? Like, have you been accepted? I'm like, that's a good question. Let me call them now. <laughs> so I called them on my graduation day and I'm like, hey, I haven't gotten a letter. Am I accepted or denied? They're like, oh, we should be mailing a letter out in a couple of days. But yeah, you got accepted. And I was like, thank God. So I moved to Rhode, I moved back to Rhode Island where I'm originally from. And um, I actually didn't have enough money and financial aid or, and my mom couldn't pay the rest for me mm -hmm. to start my first semester. So um, I worked as a longshoreman for like three or four months. Um, mm -hmm. And then the second semester, I finally was able to pay for school. Uh, in my first day of class, number one, I was like 10 minutes late. Damn. Number two, I didn't have on the right socks. Damn. Number three, Damn. my uniform was messed up. Damn. Four, oh my, my nails wasn't clipped. Damn. I was like, damn, it takes all of this. <laughs> Yo. I was like, well, I just spent the $20,000 now. So oh, really? Let me go ahead. <laughs> I'm in. Look, I got And when it's your own money, those A's are going to come in. Look. Yo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, my first year, I was on the D's list and everything. Like, I was a fantastic student, which was a sharp contrast to me being in middle school and high school. Like, I didn't. Right, because you were in alignment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And then I was still kind of, I knew I wanted to cook, but I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't as committed to it as, as I should have been. Um, mm. And I got my first job and that kind of opened my eyes because working in a restaurant and, and cooking in school are like two completely very different. Very different. Not do a very good job training you on how to work in a restaurant. Um, and I almost passed out my first day because I wasn't drinking water. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going through it my first two years of life. <laughs> Damn. Um, he stroke. Yo. And I remember standing there and I'm like, I already signed up for my next for my next year of college. And I'm like, I'm standing there and I'm like, fuck, I done spent forty, fifty thousand dollars already at this point. I have to do this. And that was the moment where I was like, no matter what, I'm going to make this career path work. Um, so it was honestly mm. out of out of me not wanting to waste my money. Yeah. <laughs> what a motivator. Like, what a motivator. Let me commit for real. Let me really take you seriously because I'm not. I'm and the reason why I'm like my jaw's on the ground is because I know they would have just scooped up your limp body and thrown you out. Like they would not have given a fuck about you. They would have been like, you see this? Anyone of you want to be next? Get back on the line. It's like that is how they are, and so it's not like everybody would have been like, "Demetrius, are you okay?" Said no chef ever. This is yeah, no pre-pandemic. It was my first no. day, so they did not know me from a rock in a rose. So. Oh <laughs> I can my god! Like you're seeing the image of um, Jazzy Jeff being thrown out the house in Bel Air. They <laughs> 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 were like, "Get him out of here!" This <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh like see it's 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 so interesting when you have those moments where you're like no this is it this is it mm -hmm. and you and you make that decision you'll never forget it because it put you on a path and mm -hmm. it's interesting that you were kind of always on that path but it was just a matter of how invested are you going to be but versus like in Tabari and I's case I know for me I tried everybody else's idea first, mm -hmm. you know, because again, that people pleaser thing. So I was like, let me go to college. 
Let me do something sensible. Let me, you know, and I worked in restaurants to get through college and shortly after transitioned into the tech industry and was like, this is sensible. I'll have security. (laughs) And like, it was so cute for a minute. And then Mm -hmm. it just got less and less and less cute the more aware I got. And the more Mm -hmm. I realized like kind of all that there was to living a life that was, you know, purposeful and in alignment and feeling good. And you're like, wow, y'all actually don't care. And it's moments like when George Floyd is getting killed in the streets, it's moments like that. We're like, wow, they really don't care about us at all. Like they're scrambling to hide the fact that they don't care about us. What am I going to do? Or wow, I spend all day long on this computer and I'm not learning. I'm just politicking. I'm just getting through the day. Like, is this how I want to spend every single day? Just kind of like juggling and not really doing anything with meaning while knowing that I have these other talents and knowing that what I really would do if money wasn't an issue. And you start asking yourself these meaningful questions and then you make the shift. And I think earlier you said, I don't respect people who, you know, don't take risk or who are playing it safe. And I think as a person who now is like such an enormous risk taker that I, it like grosses me out sometimes. (laughs) It's like, I look back on the times where I wasn't and I'm like, I totally get why you don't want this life because the amount of mental shifts I've had to make the amount of like risk that I've had to tolerate I don't blame you for not wanting to do this because <laughs> yeah. this shit is not for the weak. This is hard. I've had to completely transform. Of mm. course it's hard. Now the rewards are something else, mm. but I, 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 I'm like, if you can't get through this part, <laughs> I think yeah. which a lot of people can't, then yeah. when are you even going to get to the reward? So I look at them and I'm like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah, and and I think the reason people don't take risks are they just scared of failure. Like, yeah. if I didn't fall down and, and and bump my head jumping on the bed, I wouldn't learn not to jump on the bed. You know what I mean? Like, right. you have to make those mistakes to and fail to 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 learn and de- develop as a person. Um, and uh, it's just a shame that some people just like living their lives super super safe. Yeah. Mm. I really want more for us as humans that we don't have to learn things the hard way all the time. But it's just like even we when we do learn from other people's mistakes, like some stuff really doesn't stick until you touch the stove and you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I can't reach over the stove when it's like when the gas stove is on or um wear, wear a helmet or whatever it is, but <laughs> I just want more for us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, as a person that lear- has learned every lesson from from trial and error, I I, I get it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we all know that those those kids that they make these huge mistakes, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Their parents are like, "Did you learn?" And they're yeah. like, "Yeah, I learned. <laughs> like, destroyed my car. Okay, all right." Mm-hmm. And it's like. I think there's something so beautiful about that. I think there's something so beautiful about, yeah, you made this huge mistake, 
But now we just have to pick up the pieces yeah. versus me being like an immigrant and things like that. It was like, don't you dare make a mistake, you know? <laughs> and of course you make mistakes anyway. Of yeah. course you do. Absolutely. But it, it, it creates this like aversion to that learning process mm-hmm. that's so essential for success. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I I can't even add anything to that. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. Um, this is my one of my favorite ones too. Uh, finish this sentence. Food is. Mm, I want to say everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. <laughs> it's like what links me. Um, to my past, it links me to my present. My future. Um, it gives me memories of my great grandmother, um, of my uncle. It's just, I don't know where I would be without without food. Mm. I, mm. Yeah, I, guess I don't think there's food. anything to add to that. Yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I think it's time. Lisa. Is it time? <laughs> it's time. Okay. It's time. It's time for bops. Bops. Bangers. Or bust. Bust. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boss fingers or bust. It is our game that we love to play. It is um, a rating game, and we're we'll actually a series of you know mundane things like house plants and flip flops and ketchup. And then you'll say um, it's a banger if it's a ten out of ten. You know, song comes on radio. I'm I'm late to work because I want to finish the song. Mm. Other end is a is a bus. It's like I will go to work early and clock in to, to avoid listening to this song. <laughs> <laughs> and the bop is somewhere in the middle. Okay. So um, I went first last time. Misa, it's on you. You go first. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Make you good. Bob's fingers are bust. Mustard. Say that one more time. Mustard. Mustard. Oh, what kind of mustard? That's that's the. You know what? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that's a banger because I love all kinds of mustard. Actually, whole grain yeah. mustard, yellow mustard, these. Oh, I love. I love. 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 Love mustard. Yeah. <laughs> mustard. I'll say, I love might be the one so thing much. I can't get behind. Yeah. I cannot. I tried. I was, I was ready to fight somebody from as a kid. They want to put mushroom on my my, my shit. Now, as you, like, it's just like it's like bitter and tangy. It's like what the fuck? What's this? But as I get older, your palate changes a little bit, and now I drink coffee and shit. You know, I like bitter things, so it's like okay, mustard. I but you it. know what? I do enjoy mustard seeds. Mm-hmm. On like on a charcuterie spread, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so it, that was my little my bridge yeah. into the mustard world. Yeah, you you have to you have to start. Honestly, my wife didn't used to like mustard either until I started. Um, cooking a lot more with like whole grain mustard mm-hmm. and then she started to come around she still doesn't like like yellow ballpark mustard but yeah whole grain <laughs> like Dijon she actually likes now um but shit I I love me some mustard I could brush my teeth with mustard <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love this game because it's like what what would you ever know <laughs> um <laughs> boss fingers and bus or bus caviar Mm. Damn, I kind of want to say a bus, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a bop. I feel like really? caviar overrated. Yeah, it is so overrated. 
Like I've never had carry. I was like, oh my god, I really love that I spent a hundred dollars on this. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over the, the I can't get over the cost. It is the, the, the value doesn't equate. Oh my god, that is so funny. Because you know what? This is why food. I think who was it that told us the number one competitor that every chef is working against is nostalgia. It was Brian. Yeah, yeah. right. Because. And the reason why we like and don't like things is not because it's good or bad or mm. whatever. It's the memory associated and how it was introduced. Mm. And for me, I love caviar because the first time I had it, it was like my 22nd birthday mm. and I didn't have a lot of friends. I had a lot of acquaintances, mm. but I didn't mm. have a lot of friends. So I went out by myself for my birthday and they gifted me caviar and sparkling rosé and I had never had it before and ever since then I was like first of all I just love salty anything but so that was a good guess and it was (laughs) like literally changed my little like I was so scrawny and I was just like (laughs) and they were like here's this caviar for you because I was like a regular and I would spend like $20 every day at this restaurant and so they just like love to treat me and I was like super grateful for everything and like that changed my life I was like I can never be broke ever if this <laughs> is the thing that makes me happy like being broke is not an option it changed my life see that's that's why you like it so much because your first time you didn't have to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> wow get to the root of the issue yeah. <laughs> and every time I pay for it I feel like what a treat. Like, like really? Oh my God. And also, when we were in, so you know the DeKalb Farmers Market, right? Mm. And mm. there was a time where they had some good salmon roe, yeah. like good salmon roe. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to figure this shit out and have salmon roe in the house. When I tell you, I bought that sack and I was, and I you looked it up on YouTube and I was like cleaning off the little eggs. I was like, Try not to pop them. And I was like, I would pay $500 to not do this right now. <laughs> like, I never did it again. I was yeah. like, this is labor. Yeah. And you only get this little tiny bit. And then you have to sit and wait for it to cure. And then it got, yeah. and then it gets weird. I was like, I don't know how they get the color. And it, it was, yeah. I was like, I was like, I have no arguments for taking like, little fish babies out of fish like i have no <laughs> name your price i honestly am i'm gonna catch a lot of flack for this but i honestly don't like there's two things that i really don't like the taste of one is like caviar like i like salmon roe mm-hmm. but i don't really don't prefer the taste of caviar and i really don't like the taste of truffles either and so <gasps> <laughs> oh my god okay. you are a contrarian <laughs> yeah i think mean, i like i like caviar but i i never order it i snack on it when nisa gets it i mm. do really like roe especially like all the ramen i like the ramen i've had over my life and rolls on there and it's great um now uh man, what's my blank, my like just my brain just like blanks if you <laughs> like, only eat part. it when i eat it you do like it <laughs> yeah, I don't order it. Though. I'm not like we should get. Uh, you're like, not gonna like, pay for it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay, we're paying for it. We, we get to, we're paying for it. Together, but or I'm the like, behavior. Well, I want to get it. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not like we should get that. I'm always like let's get the um, 
man, what's the raw meat? The tartar. I'm I'm always like, let me get the, <laughs> mm. the tartar. Let me get some of these like fried mussels real quick. Let me get like yeah. fried oysters. That's that's where I usually kind of go. Um, what's something else you said? Like, uh, truffles. Um, mm. Truffles really the, the the pins. I get they are. I'm gonna say I don't hard like to come by. I gotta say that I, I don't like truffles. I'm gonna put that. Like that's not how I feel, but they, I think they are really hyped. They I are think because they're so hard to find, and yada yada yada. And people are like, "Oh, there's truffle," and this is the thing. Maybe I haven't had the right truffle yet, um, or the real truffle. Maybe I just got like the truffle oil, which is not as the same flavor. Mm. But I'm still open to it. But it's interesting. I do think that they're over, not overhyped. I think they're overused. Yeah. So it's yeah. like tr- it's like saffron, right? It's like mm. you really only need a couple little sprigs, like, yeah. but you can't have like saffron macaroni and cheese. Like that would just be too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like that's what people do with truffles. Like treat it yeah. like a delicacy. You only mm. need a little bit. It's so powerful. But it's like people just. They just want things in excess sometimes. And certain things you only need like a little tiny bit. And that's the thing with truffles. They're always trying to like overpower what yeah. it is. And that's where yeah. I, I feel like it has to be done right. You have you do have a you have a point there. Like whenever I like watch some kind of like cooking competition or something and somebody uses truffles and I'm like, the gus then the judge is like, oh my God, it's so good. I'm like, well, they put fucking truffles on it. Of course it's good. <laughs> 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 he said the cheat code. He's like, <laughs> that's like bacon. There was a season of Top Chef where one of the chefs was like constantly putting bacon and stuff, and they'd be like, the chefs were so mad. They were like, I don't, he makes food that I would make for family meal. I can't believe he won that challenge. I'm like, no one can say no to bacon. Maybe we need day, to reevaluate things. When it comes to food, Taste is king. Taste is right. the ultimate thing. If this, I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's on the street. I don't care if it, it looks weird before it's cooked. If it tastes good, it's like, what? Like, what else is there to say? Yeah, unless you just like really say appreciate some of those things. People are just like, oh, uh, snails is weird. Sure, uh, the energy is there, but I feel like curious. You know what I mean? There was a time in my life where I was like grossed out or like repelled by eating different parts of the animal now i'm like as i got to cook more and try different things then i'm like you're married to jamaican i was like you can eat the whole shrimp i was like and it was the whole point i'm like all of a sudden i clean but when i saw like i actually started to like try some of it and i started to like and the sauces are in there and i'm like eating the tail i mean the part i'm still not eating the head yet i'm not there but <laughs> I, I've done it only like two times, and it's it still kind of like gives me the like heebie-jeebies. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'll serve them to everybody that come through my restaurant, though. But yeah. just know I'm not in the bag slurping on shrimp heads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm good because I see because sometimes you look at you like. like- Tavar is always sneaking trying to get me to like share some recipes. He's like, I mean. Are you gonna make oxtail, or you can show me how to do it, and I'll do it. And I was like, I'll make it. Like he's always gonna be like, I mean, I could just, you know, shadow you a little bit. I'd be like, that's fine. You can go. Okay, outside. right now on record. When do I get the recipe? We if we spend our whole lives together. What, what when do I get the recipe? It's you know it's undetermined at this wow. time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this website is under construction. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I remember that. 
Honestly, it's hard to 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 make a bad oxtail dish. I've only had one, and I'm gonna. It was from another chef. I'm not gonna say who it was from. Ooh. But I was the I only one. I would say. <laughs> what was, why was it bad? What was, what was it lacking? <laughs> it was so sweet, like candy. Yeah, and she was Jamaican. Oh shit, I didn't what? say she. They were Jamaican. Supposed to be sweet. Yeah, oh, I was. Man. I was flabbergasted, and they they had the nerve to charge thirty dollars for it. I'm like flabbergasted you know, is the word. Yeah. Because <laughs> my my, I always thought the big sin with oxtail is two things: is when it's just completely dry. Because mm. I'm like, mm. it's supposed to be a stew, and yeah. I'm not getting the fat. And yeah. it's also tough. So it's like you didn't cook it long enough. And now I'm like gnawing at it. It's supposed to <laughs> melt off of that bone. I'm supposed to want to inhale the bone. Yeah. yeah. In the car, you know, yeah. and that takes time. And the thing that I recently did, it's not the whole recipe, but I'll drop this little. The thing that I recently <laughs> did is I treat it like almost yeah. like a braised short rib sometimes. So when I really have time, I'll take the sauce out. I'll cool it take the fat off and then mm. I'll reduce the sauce. But I need like a lot of sauce because I mm. still want that stewy effect. And then I reduce it down. So it's a little bit of, you know, a little splash of French technique in there. That's if I'm really feeling fancy. If I'm feeling like super nostalgic, then I'll just leave all that in there because there's something that I love about seeing those little pockets of fat in the sauce. Yeah, And it's really interesting how people see that as like, almost like a broken sauce or a sauce mm. that's not developed. And I'm like, sometimes I've been real evaluating like cooking techniques that are good or not good because I'm like, like Jamaicans are all about that broken sauce. Like that's mm-hmm. the goal is to get it to that place. And so it's interesting when people are like, you don't want to see this or you want to take this part out. And then in other cultures, it's like, we're waiting for the sauce to break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how you know it's done. Once that fat separate, that's how you know. Tabari's yeah. <laughs> gonna be like sixty-five. Like I finally got it. Like, yeah. <laughs> around, I'm gonna start trying it out. You're gonna have to teach me because you're gonna be like, okay, I look. I'm gonna start trying oxtail. Do gonna... it then. Okay. All right. I'm still well, expensive. Don't don't waste the money now. <laughs> hey, I gotta prove a point. <laughs> it's about the principle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob's bangers are bust. Peanut butter. Mm. So quiet. Mm. <laughs> that's I, you know what I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a banger for me. Like I love warm peanut butter. Like mm. I like Ooh. toast my bread, put peanut butter on it. And then, like, jelly. So it's like a warm peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I love warm peanut butter. I love it so much. So on that note, a little Bob Singers and Bust part two. How do you feel about Uncrustables? I love Uncrustables. My son had one um, at his daycare not too long ago, and he didn't want it, so I ate it. (laughs) 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 They're pretty, like, easy to make your own. And then, like, air fry them? Because I was listening to the, the read, and Kid Fury was saying that he would, like... <laughs> no, he would buy the Uncrustables and put it in the air fryer. No, he was saying that he can, like, make... Yeah, he said he would just, like, eat them. But you can, like, make them. He said he was trying to make some other ones, too. Which is, like, exciting to me, because it's, like... Mm. I mean, I don't... I could just go to the store and get them. 
That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's like, tough, yeah. I also like have a vendetta against air fryers. Yeah. I, oh my God. I tell me that. about that because I feel, I feel like they're overhyped a little bit. Uh, it's a cult. <laughs> they they are like they're like, oh, there's no fat, this and blah blah blah. I'm like, number one is a glorified microwave. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> it, it it makes so much noise. I might as well have the oven on. Number three, it's like it is so loud. <laughs> Yeah, like my wife has a like a cheap one. And I'm like, it sounds like a jet engine in our house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you need to use that in the middle of the day when everybody's up. Don't try and use it at nighttime when our son is trying to oh sleep. Oh my god! <laughs> See, my thing is, I used to be the toaster oven queen. So back when I was a teenager, I was like, we had toaster oven. I don't know why, but it was like we would get the little tray. It was so clutch. I was like, this is so much better than the microwave. So when I saw the air fryer, like I thought the air fryer was like a fryer without oil, like literally, like I took it literal. So when I saw it, I was like, it just looks like a toaster oven. And so yeah. I feel like they kind of rebranded a little bit. Can you successfully without oil? No, you can't fry nothing. It's not frying. <laughs> You're just baking You're it. You're baking it. I just thought about it. I was just kind of like, can you? Fry? Like, is that the definition of fry? Is <laughs> that right there is the power of marketing and messaging? Yeah, that that yeah. is a perfect use case because what you're doing is baking it. I think if I ha if I lived in like a little studio and I didn't really have like a full kitchen, mm. cool, I would have had that to replace my oven. Mm. Like if I was like in an Airbnb yeah, or like the, yeah, yeah, I would have a hot plate, a little air fryer, and then like maybe a rice cooker or something mm -hmm. like that. You could you could you know, conquer the world with that. But yeah. if I have a full kitchen, I don't need that. Yeah, yeah. It probably uses just as much electricity as a regular oven. Like, just <laughs> use your oven. <laughs> or actually oh fry God. it. Right. Or get some oil and stop <laughs> being a baby. Yeah. <laughs> get the right oil, girl. Not all oil is the same. Just get the right oil. <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to lose weight and just accept the consequences of your actions. Literally, <laughs> literally my on. mission in life I'm is to fuck. convince people to stop trying to lose weight. It's just like, just stop. Just take care of your body. Stop trying to lose weight. People are fat. It is what it is. It's been the case since the beginning of the times. Literally. Literally, it kills me because I'm like, this is what's making you fat. It's you trying to like reverse engineer biology. Now you can't absorb like vitamins and nutrients because you don't eat fat and you yeah. actually really need it. Like there's something to be said about like processed foods and like food deserts. But again, that's just the political issue. Yeah. That's not, oh, should I get an air fryer or should I use sunflower <laughs> oil? Yeah. That's where the buck stops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, boss bangers a bus, sparkling water. Mm. I'm gonna say that's a good one. I'm gonna say bust. Just because number one, when I'm drinking water, I just want to be refreshed. I don't need my throat to be burning. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> number two. Um, the only sparkling water I've ever, damn, they need to sponsor me. The only sparkling water I've ever liked was Saratoga sparkling water. Um, okay. all the other ones, like, I'm like, why am I drinking pepper? I don't get it. Like, wow. Drinking pepper. Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. I Have you ever had a soda stream? No, no. I want real soda. I want to make my own soda. Oh my god, we have a soda stream, and like I, you probably need about three pumps, 
and we'll like put our filtered water in it and give it like five pumps in that burn. It's, so on the, it's not the burn. I just I love the because I grew up because a lot of people didn't grow up like drinking a bunch of water like that. They drink like juice or they drink other stuff, and it was like water is boring. Uh. I grew up working outside. My dad has his own business, taking down trees, and he was a tree climber. And me and my brothers were it was a, we were the workforce. You know, we were always out there, and it was like water or die. <laughs> like it was just it wasn't like and I was in band too in high school, so it was like you're not gonna drink water, you're not gonna live past the day. You're gonna just don't feel like you're gonna like you're gonna pass out. You'll literally die. Like you so it was like and it was like we would drink it together. It was just like okay, have a water break, and you knew that. Like every couple minutes, and also the cold, fresh, cold water from the cooler that's sitting in the shade with the ice. I can have some coolness while the sun is beating my ass in Georgia summer, and there's spiders crawling on my fucking neck. Like I just yeah. like I need the water to kind of like bring myself that I'm like there's there is joy and pleasure in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and so as I got older, my palate started to change. I'm again I'm trying more stuff. Uh, I married a Jamaican. I tried more stuff, and I like started drinking more sparkling water and trying different stuff. And now it's like. When I drink flat water, which is now it's like flat, now it's a whole, it's not just a water now, it's flat water <laughs> or still water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the, um, so just, 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 just drink water. I, I'll, I'll chug a little bit more. I'm not really a chugger, actually. I don't really chug. But you can right. drink still water a lot faster. And so when I need to like hydrate quicker, then I do the still water. But when I want to enjoy myself, when I want to put some ice in there and maybe like a squeeze of lemon, like when I, when I want to get active water drinking experience, hydration experience, <laughs> yeah. I, want the, I want the bubbles. I want the, I don't want to be super tight when you're burning. That's Denise's thing. I don't want it to burn. I want to just, <laughs> it depends on my mood, but I, I do enjoy it, that feeling. Bubbles bursting in my mouth. Yeah. That's what I want. But I don't want like, <clears throat> and soda was never really yeah. my thing. Root beer. And maybe Sprite, but soda, I was like, soda and juice never was my ministry. So mm. what's wrong with that? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I should give it another try, but I just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. Like, I just want, I enjoy drinking water. Like, I yeah. usually don't, I don't drink a lot of juice. I don't drink a lot of soda. I honestly enjoy drinking water and I don't need it to fizz in my mouth. I don't need to burn. I don't need that. I just need some, <laughs> some hydration. <You> <laughs> You I like know, my water bridge, with no makeup. <laughs> the bridge for me was actually just straight up drinking because I would get like gin and soda. I was such a big gin drinker in my 20s and I would get like gin and soda with lemon. That was like my like I'm at a dive bar choice. Yep. Mm. And so then eventually sometimes you're like I just need a club soda. And then that was what was That's the bridge for me to be like, oh, actually, I love sparkling. It's not even sparkling water at that point. That's fucking club soda. I'm like, it's soda now. I'm Wait, like, what's the, I don't consider that sparkling water. I thought they were the same thing. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> they are. I don't consider it the same thing. <laughs> really? I think they are different. I don't yeah. remember how. Like, I remember when I found out like tonic water was like dramatically different. And I know they like, tonic, tonic has like all these other things. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this is different. And then even just going from different brands of sparkling water, like if you taste them side by side, like they are dramatically different. Like yeah. there's a difference yeah. between Topo Chico and like Spring Mountain and like Pellegrino and Trover yeah, brand. So I just looked it up. So street. Apparently like club soda and sparkling water are similar. They both have minerals, but club soda, the minerals come in after they carbonate it. Mm. They don't occur and they don't occur naturally in club soda like they do in sparkling water. Oh, um, okay, okay. 
I cannot wait to use that fact. I can't wait to drop it. <laughs> I, I got more facts. I, we can. I can. You know when you learn something and you're like, "Did you know?" Like I cannot <laughs> wait. I'm gonna keep that one hot and ready. Let me come back because now ready. I'm just like reading seltzer and tonic water facts. Let me. <laughs> you know they have like water sommeliers. Yeah, the easiest job in the world. <laughs> but I like I'm to go, bro. I'm gonna, I'm, look, I didn't get paid for my talents. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a snob about water. Yeah, I'll. <laughs> What's the tra- I like, like the- as long as like the wine, as long as like the wine training, I get it. I'm into it because I'm not trying to spend the rest of my life trying to like. It's <laughs> different between wet socks and wet grass. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, wet socks and wet grass. <laughs> Am I wrong? Go ahead. It's your turn. No, but like. <laughs> So, Demetrius, where can people find you? When is your next? Yeah, I did. I did three. You did three. Did I? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's my third one. That's my third one. You went first. Okay. Scratch that. (laughs) Let's bring us. Let's let's bring us. Let's bring us home strong. Um, Boss fingers and bus or bus house plants. I have, I'm gonna say it's a bop, because um, mm. I have a I have a good amount of house plants, but what they don't tell you when you buy house plants is sometimes they have like gnats in them. <laughs> so when you bring them home, now you got yeah, gnats in the yeah. house. Um, and I just bought a new plant, and now I have gnats in my house. So <laughs> uh, I I like so I we I grew up um, gardening and stuff, so I, mm. I always liked outdoor plants. Um, yeah, but now that I'm older, um, I kind of like having like indoor plants and watching them like sprout new leaves. Like I have a monstera yeah. on insane right now, um, mm. and yeah, I just I I like them, but I don't like having to like remember to water them, and I don't like having <laughs> to take. I like to look at them. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> you know the what's it called? Is it that diatomaceous earth? Yeah. That will kill those gnats. Really? Okay. Just a little sprinkle on top, and it's totally organic matter. It's like basically it. compost, so it's like yeah. dead. Mm. It'll get it. it it's not dry. cute. It's fucked up to think what it does to the insects. Like it just dries their exoskeleton out. Like just like <laughs> I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> He's like, like, I'm on board. Uh, yeah, because because it's interesting because we don't really have it sounds like maybe like what chemicals do we have that occur in the world that like dry your whole body out and like leave you like <laughs> out skin like the what, what, sun. That, oh, does that say? if you have the right complexion maybe it won't but. <laughs> <laughs> wink wink <laughs> yeah the diatomaceous earth will do it. and it's cheap like you get a huge bag for like four bucks you'll never yeah. use it for the rest of your life and it's like true. just put like a little thin layer on top of the mm. soil and you can still water through it and everything it doesn't like do anything to harm the plant because it's totally organic Amazon and it'll take care of the bugs okay thank thank you for letting me know because i've been yeah. i've been fighting for Couple weeks now, and it's been um, it's been a losing battle. I'll say that. 
Yeah. Because what a lot of people would do is they'll either repot it or they'll they'll take the plant out, wash it with soap and water, and then repot it in fresh soil. But like the gnats are like literally not supposed to be there. Yeah. I think it's yeah. what are you gonna do? Like you gonna sterilize the, the soil? I mean it's 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 alive. Like the soil is also like just Yeah, but like there's stuff you can do. Yeah, but it costs it costs more. I mean you wanna <laughs> It's either that or just throw away all the houseplants I have in my house. <laughs> no. deal, with, deal with the nuts. It's like <laughs> yeah. When we when we moved here. We got a bunch of new plants, and then it was like I think we like traveled and then came back, and it was like some like something like that. So it was a lot of like gnats in the house, and we got really good at just like stacking them out the air. Also, <laughs> 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 <you're> like <laughs> yeah. my martial arts training, just like. <laughs> 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 so yeah demetrius where can the people find you anything you want to plug all that good stuff um you guys can always follow me on uh on instagram um you can follow our heritage page heritage.atl um you can also follow my personal page uh chef's state of mind there's an underscore after each word i know it's hard to type out <laughs> uh <laughs> and honestly that's the that's the only like i'm not a big social media person like i do all my own social media now and it kind of like drives me insane that's <laughs> um, real as it does we all there we all yeah. <laughs> uh as far as you know plugs coming up we do have like i said earlier we do have a restaurant hopefully coming within the next two three weeks mm-hmm. um so, you know, just follow us on Instagram. And then once that happens, we're going to uh, announce it there. Um, as far as heritage, uh, we're actually going to downsize it to maybe doing like four times a year other than every single month. Um, but uh, you can come to the restaurant and get some bomb. I'm going I'm to throw in a little a little uh, each egg. It's going to be bomb Haitian food. Exclusive. It is a world premiere. We are on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's super exciting. I'm I I feel like Haitian food, you know how like Filipino food is kind of like popping up right now? I mm. think Haitian food is next. Yeah, Haitian like, food I was, is next. I was um talking to somebody yesterday and I was telling them how like all the all the other Caribbean you might not be happy with with being Jamaican but I feel like all the Caribbean islands are very similar in cuisine but Haiti is like leaps and bounds opposite than yeah Jamaica Cuba um so you know when my when I developed the menu and when we did our uh our um Haitian dinner where we donated I think it was like a third of our total sales to a foundation in Haiti um I was writing the menu. I was like, "Damn, this is gonna be a this is gonna be the worst menu I ever made. This is gonna be the worst playlist I ever made." Um, and then once I finally like listened to the playlist all the way through, once I ate the menu all the way through, I was like, "This is my favorite <laughs> dinner I've ever done." <laughs> Why did you think it was gonna be the worst you've ever done? Uh, um. So I had to. So me and my business partner went to all the Haitian restaurants in our area, um, and then. I bought like a whole bunch of Haitian cookbooks, which they're, I'm not even gonna say a whole bunch cause it's not a lot. Um, yeah. And I was doing like so much research and I just couldn't really connect 
to the food. Um, mm. so I was kind of, I don't want to say I was writing uninspired, but that's kind of what it felt mm. like. Um, and I just, I just couldn't connect with it. And then when I started tasting everything, I was like, damn, this shit is good. <laughs> wow. So it's really that it was, you were like, there's no way these, this would go together or there's yeah. no way that this would work. And then you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Cause a lot of times what a lot of people don't realize about me is I write my menus and I write the recipes without ever, like, I really don't do a lot of menu development and recipe development. I just write it out and then I cook it. Mm. Um, so I didn't know what it was going to taste like until I literally was prepping for that dinner, cooking <laughs> for that dinner, making adjustments as I <laughs> so you're going rogue. He's going off the cuff. He's like, I was, I you think. are you said we're 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 take the wheels off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you on my gut <laughs> and food. We're gonna make it work. And that's that's really admirable. <laughs> you should yeah, probably like, do tarot readings if you're if you're like that. <laughs> Side hustle, yeah. Like I, I, I've always been like that. Like I'm, I don't like to uh, follow like directions, recipes. When someone tells me not to do something, that makes me want to do it even more. Even when you didn't want to do it in the first place, you're just like, no, I got so ridiculous. It gets me in trouble. So it's like it's. I think yeah. the timing of that is amazing because, you know, even this, the Restaurant of the Year Award for James Beard, it went to Khan mm-hmm. and they do Haitian food. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of the James Beard, I'm so glad that they're actually starting to um, recognize, you know, food from different parts of the world. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, like, no shade to James Beard because I definitely want one. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll let you boy. <laughs> Even watching um, this last year's, there was still like a sharp disparity of uh, chefs and restaurants that were um, that won and that even were nominated. Like all the, all the, I feel like all the ethnic, ethnic quote unquote um, mm-hmm. restaurants that won, they all went to like Asian concepts. And I'm like, there's so many different. Mm-hmm. Food, foods, and flavor profiles that need to be explored and, and celebrated. Um, yeah, where you know, I think Khan was the only no Khan and I forgot the other name. It was in uh, I think he's from Charlotte. They were the only yeah. two, only black, the only two black people that won awards that night. Um, and what's a, interesting about Chef Gregory too is like, first of all, he's like fifty. Yeah. So like, I, oh, I, he looks. He looks he young, looks but he looks old. I'm like, yeah, he looks kind of like, what? What? Are you? Like, he, he looks grown. He, 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 said, like, he started saying stuff like in the 90s. And I was like, what you know about the 90s? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I grew up in the 90s, but I, I don't say things like in the 90s, right? Yeah, you sound like me. you were aware of what was happening. Yeah, yeah. You, could <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like when people say that, that means they were grown in the 90s. And so yeah. I was like, wait a minute and i googled it one time and i was like oh my god like he's been in the game so long and this is his first restaurant you know what i mean so it's like you see a black person finally here and it's like versus some of these other guys like yeah a lot of them like they put in their time too but they've been 
they've been successful a lot earlier. They've been successful mm-hmm. for a lot longer. And so it's kind of interesting to see. And like, I wonder how that is because there's so much talent to explore. I think with black chefs, and this is something I feel so strongly about is we're in a box right now. Mm-hmm. We're in a box, you know, and even that guy, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's really huge in DC, super young black chef uh, again. Does, yeah. And he mm. does Jamaican. I think he's in New York actually. Um, does Jamaican food. When I looked into his background too, he started super young and he's been hustling for a long time. So people are like, this young chef. Because uh, people love to be like, see, look. And it's like, no, he's been doing this for like over 15 years too. Mm-hmm. And took a lot of huge risks. A lot of risks that a lot of Black people are not exactly encouraged to take. And neither was he. And so here's what that looks like. And so I just want, first of all, I want to see more Jamaican food in the in the conversation outside mm-hmm. of the takeout place not that i love those places but <laughs> it's like i love that but i also want to see what does it look like when it's elevated and transformed and you like inspired i also want to see that i also want to see people serving bone-in things at nicer restaurants instead of being like how do you elevate it take the bones out take the skin <laughs> off it's like yeah. no like elevations to me should be like how can we inspire how can we transform this how can we reimagine this it doesn't always have to mean make it pretty like you know and why does pretty mean take all the what makes it amazing out yeah and i think um that goes into like a bigger conversation of you know black chefs as a whole i feel like where like early on in my career i didn't i didn't cook anything from the African diaspora. I, I was more focused on making like Asian inspired food. Yeah. Um, and it's Gregory, like he didn't really gain success until he started to cook from his, uh, his roots. And uh, I feel like um, as far as, you know, success goes, once you're truly invested in something, once you truly have a connection to, to what you're doing, you will never see true success. Um, well, I'll say lasting success. So as long as I'm cooking the food that I want to cook and cooking the food that I love, um, whether it comes with money or not, I'm going to be a successful person uh, just because I'm living my life as I see fit. Um, yeah. Being a black chef and, and feeling like, and only seeing restaurants owned by other black chefs that are lo- lounges, hookah bars, and strip mall, things like that. I feel like that has also pigeoned us, pigeonholed us into a space where we feel like that's where our food belongs. And right. when I started Heritage, I made it my responsibility. I always start every dinner off by saying, I only see our food in these places or looking like these things and I want to change that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I commend, you know, Gregory, um, Chef Cleo, Chef Max, Justin, um, Kwame, I commend all of them for, you know, advancing our, our cuisine as a, as a whole and trying to uh, dig us out of the ditch that they tried to put us in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think it's, it's when I am around folks who get uncomfortable, especially white people who get uncomfortable 
with how much inspiration we can pull from. You see this a lot with like comedy where minorities pop off a few of them and people are like, well, I'm not a black woman, so I can't, it's just like, shut up. There's like two, <laughs> two there's like two successful black comedians yeah. who are like, who are raking it in right now. Like at that level, the rest of you are white, get past it. Ali Wong is like exceptional, get past it, you know? And it's like, I think there's this intimidation of like, there's so much inspiration to pull from and people want something honest and people want something different. And what's different is honest. And I'm like, it doesn't mean that I think a lot of people will think, well, where do I fit in? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you're already looking at it as if someone else gets shine, that means that there's less shine for me. You don't understand how light works. You know what I mean? Like the sun comes up and it's not like it's sunny for my neighbor and it's dark for me. No, it's sunny. (laughs) Maybe you need to move your position to get more sun. Mm. You know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) Like that's how it works. That's how it works. Like the the sun lights the earth and we're all on this planet. Well, and so it we're rotating shore and every now and again there's a little bit of a spotlight shore and every yeah. now and again it rains over here and not over here shore but everybody sees that sun and so for me it's like I think it's 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 a false narrative of this like scarcity of resources and and, and it's also like this 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 place of lack because mm-hmm. it's like, if you feel like you're lacking, then of course you are really scared of somebody who's coming in with abundance because yeah. you think falsely that that's, it's not, there's not enough and that's mm-hmm. just not true. And and I think that that's where a lot of the stuff comes from when people are, people only want to see a few of us bubble up to the top, whether you're talking about black people, women, or just multiple, like black queer women it's like Mm -hmm. if that's what scares you then you have this false perception that if they come up it's taking something away rather than that's just more amazing incredible food that we all get to enjoy that's more inspiration more opportunities for collaboration it makes you better because you're like damn i need to set my shit up that's a good thing Mm -hmm. that's how i see it so that's what I want to see for James Beard. I would love to have a ticket. Love to go. I like to dress up. Um, holler at me. Love to be in the audience. <laughs> Putting it out there. If anyone's listening. But that's what I would love to see moving forward. It's not to say like, it's it's not just saying black chefs need this. It's like the talent is there. Yeah. So where is the recognition and opportunity? Yeah. I th- and, and to finish that off, I think... Um, I can't remember. I think it was Thomas Jefferson. Um, it was some some old ra- white racist person uh, sure. said that black people are natural born cooks, and I think that is something that I, I try to um, try to live up to every single day. And I think more uh, people should uh, kind of realize that. Like we've had to cook out of desperation our whole you know existence, and it's kind of um, shaped who we are now. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it would take someone who exploits to, <laughs> to recognize yeah. talent, right? It's like yeah. you you know, you know that's true because he's the one benefiting from that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. We can end it on a dour note. That's fine. I'm done with that. <laughs> well, this is a great conversation. I feel like we could have another hour long conversation. I know. Um, but it's, that's what happens when you get black folks in a room. There's like belly laughs, and then yeah. we're going to talk about dark shit. You yeah. can't yeah, have it. one without the other. Yeah. You need, you need balance. Balance. It's balance. balance. Yeah. yeah. You got to have the peanut butter and the you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, right, thank you, you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you guys for you know reaching out and and, and uh, seeing what I do and um, uh, wanting to share that you know with you with the all audience. Um, it's uh, it's truly humbling. When I started cooking, I had no clue that I you know. Of course, I had these aspirations, but I had no clue I'd be. Mm-hmm. You know, in magazines on on TV and podcasts now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so humbling. Like I just think back to when I was 21 and um a job I had threw me a going away party and I literally yeah. stood in the middle like I don't think I'm that good of a cook. <laughs> Why are you guys doing this to me? Um so it's just it's it's humbling and I really I I have so much gratitude for you guys. Wow. Thank you. Oh, yeah, it's important Love to celebrate. That. It's important to celebrate yourself. Yeah, it is. The older it, I get, the more I realize that. <laughs> yeah, it's like because it, it doesn't feel good when someone else celebrates you because you don't like you deserve it. So because it's like I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm uh, kind of my my dad's like that, and I was very much like that a lot of my life too, where I didn't feel like I needed pomp and circumstance or like mm. yada yada yada. Um, but it wasn't really until. A lot, of, a lot has changed since the pandemic. A lot, of, a lot of changed in my life. Um, yeah. Also, my wife here is a big part of that change too. <laughs> I, she's the one who introduced surprise parties into my life. Mm. <laughs> she got me twice. She got me twice, and I got her once just, just <laughs> like earlier this year. Um, but it's really important to like celebrate and just to be in celebration of being like, it's my time. I love this. I'm happy because it's life can be so. Step one, two, three. I woke up. I gotta eat. I gotta do this. I gotta take this. Yeah. Stuff. I, gotta I gotta take the yeah. kid. I got dog. I gotta, like all this stuff because it's like it makes you feel like life is a to do list and it's not mm. at all. Mm. Yeah, I, that's 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 um that's great advice because I, I definitely get get into my own routine of you know making a checklist every single day and kind of just going through it rather than you know enjoying life. Yeah. I mean, it feels good to check that stuff off that list. I, I do like, what I help myself with, I do like a list. I do like three things I need to get done today. Like three mm. actions, like if the money moves or is taking some out. So then I was supposed to do, I do at least three. Sometimes I go over, but if I do at least those three things, I'm like, okay, cool. I set an attention. My day has like a direction and that helps me to like have more time for the like, well, I did my three things. I can rest now. Or I can just do a thing later. If it, if it doesn't get done, it's like, well, maybe it wasn't so serious. Maybe it wasn't so fun. <laughs> but <laughs> part of that balance, I think each day is like different. And I really try to beat myself up because it's like, I can just go outside for that. I, can just <laughs> I mean, I love celebrating myself because mm. it makes it a lot easier to celebrate others. Yes. Mm. And I think that's why I'm so good at celebrating other people is because I can take a compliment. You know what I mean? Like, 
I can say I'd be like, oh my god, you guys give me a party! Wow, like I would, like, <laughs> like I can really, I get really excited, and I'm really good at receiving stuff, and so it makes me a super generous person. Mm. So like, I don't get upset when other people are getting celebrated because I love to celebrate myself too. Yeah. And I guess that kind of came out of a place of, you know, not desperation, but that came out of a place of need because there were a lot of times where I was the only one that would celebrate myself. And so it started from there. And then you realize that I think that's why I care so much about gift giving and experience giving and things like that, yeah. um, especially with my family being kind of scattered across the country. It's like, I have to like gift experiences. I can't just show up and do a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I do care deeply about. So I guess it, it kind of teaches people how to celebrate me too, because that's how I like to be celebrated. And, you know, surprises are just fun. Like, unless you're like a highly anxious person and you genuinely hate them, but it's <laughs> like, it's so fun because if you show up and you know, you're going to do a thing, there has to be an element that you weren't expecting. That's what makes it memorable. Yeah. 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 Great. That's my tidbit on gifts. <laughs> People always text me, ah, what should I do for gifts? I'm like, I, I'm the person. Like you everyone know, knows. You are the one. Yeah. I'm the gift person. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to to get gifts for you though. It's really interesting to find that way. I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> but I just Honestly, I also love anything like I'll take caviar and I'll also take like a walker on the block <laughs> as well like <laughs> I think that's the unique thing where it's like it's, I'm really easy to get a gift for but I'm also fun to splurge on I like to think and so it's like take your pick I'll be excited <laughs> either way <laughs> awesome yeah what a great episode a good conversation I know. um yeah we'll, we'll we'll wrap here and we'll see you next time on the future authenticity podcast thanks for joining us thank Bye. you so much <laughs> <laughs>